Welcome to the Bicons Podcast, where we talk about film and TV for people who aren't strictly lesbians. Roll the clip. I might die today. It's every fine. time, every time I eat or drink something and something tastes weird, I think someone poisoned me. Who's poisoning you? Isn't it crazy how we run a podcast? Who would have thought? Look yeah. at us. You know. <laughs> I was um, so depressed. I was so depressed back in the day. Back in the day. Last two days week. ago. Yeah, that day. Two, two days ago. Yeah. I made rosé. It's delicious. Okay? It's very delicious. Half a bottle of rosé, ice in the fridge, a couple strawberries, and that's all you need. Oh, and simple syrup. Today, we are talking about the Amazon original Fleabag. We've watched it like five times now. And Delbar is going to give you a little summary. Why are you doing that to me? <laughs> it's like when the teacher pays attention or calls on you when they know you're not paying attention. <laughs> so, Fleabag. Fleabag is a story of, you know, uh, an every woman who's finding her sexuality, but is also dismissing the larger problem in her life with sex. And, um... It's got some good British humor and it's like super dry and witty and incredible and it's also like a tragedy a little bit. I really like it. Yeah. It's really nice. Same. Critically acclaimed too. Yes. Yeah. She's won like about 10,000 awards by now. First, we want to talk about this movie we just watched before we started recording. It just came out, I think like two days ago on Netflix. I just looked it up to like see. It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things and it's literally the, the most batshit crazy movie i've ever seen in my life but also the best movie i've ever seen in my life i literally could not take my eyes off of it for two seconds without getting lost yeah it's incredible and you have to watch it with subtitles yeah definitely you have to watch it with it was subtitles. so disturbing on so many levels it was literally like 27 layers deep i could barely keep up yeah same it's weird because like i feel like when i watch movies and tv i'm usually pretty good at picking up on like patterns and like foreshadowing and and like little details and it was like with this movie no matter how much i picked up on it wasn't enough and i was still lost mm. like i still it was like a labyrinth it really tickles your brain i was just saying i feel like i need a lobotomy after watching it <laughs> it was really good so many i love all the overlap every yeah. every scenario into each other i when we were halfway through i thought it was three-pronged same. I thought it was three pronged, but goddamn. It's like a whole goddamn tree with like branches yeah. of branches of branches. Like it's insane. It's about a character. I won't say which because I don't want to spoil it, but it's sort of about a character like looking back on their life in, ver- in a very simplistic way of saying things. That's kind of what it's about. I, ke- I don't want to say it's he. I don't want to reveal who it is. <laughs> but yeah, it's not only. it's. It, like, put Ari Aster to shame. (laughs) Like, it was so... It was a horror movie and a drama and a psychological thriller and just so many things in one. It's, like, impossible to, like, pigeonhole into a single genre, I think. It was, like, five different Ari Aster movies thrown into a bag and violently shaken up. 
Yeah, like at least in midsummer, you get a couple like seconds to breathe yeah. every now no and then. No processing time with this no. bitch. It was like a really prolonged anxiety attack. <laughs> oh my god. The tension. So worth it. Oh, from second one. And like so- some shit will just happen. And like you're not, e- you don't even believe your own eyes. You're like, did I really actually just see that? Yeah, we were speechless so yeah. often. Yeah. What the fuck? I just kept like looking at you. Like, are you Literally getting this? Saying- Me too. Are y'all seeing this type energy? <laughs> yeah. oh, oh my god. god, it was really good. Yeah. On Letterboxd, it it literally came out what two days ago. It I already so. has a four out of five review. That's really um, yeah. That's kind of big for Letterboxd. I can't imagine not liking that movie like i know there's going to be people that don't like that movie but i yeah that's objectively wrong either way everyone's entitled to their own opinion yes we just think it's particularly amazing question for you question for the audience would you trade five years of your life for the perfect body that's my first question (laughs) oh is it really i hate that scene in that show in that episode because it's a bold-faced lie everyone in there this so one of the first scenes in the first episodes is our protagonist Fleabag going to a feminist lecture with her sister that their father paid for. And this speaker comes out and says, or asks the audience, who here would trade five years of their life for the so-called perfect body? And the only two people that ended up raising their hands were Fleabag and her sister Claire, and everyone else was looking at them like they were Please. bad feminists. The only two honest people in the room. Oh my god. I, personally, yes, I will recognize from the jump disclaimer, this is internalized misogyny. However, I would trade five years of my life to have a perfect body in my 20s and 30s. I don't think I would be as self-loathing. No. And no. I get that I shouldn't be self-loathing. I long, recognize like- that I have to exist within the current society. And in the current society, I would trade five years of my life. I literally don't want to be perceived ever again. No. Yes. Yes. I'll give you. Take it. I'll give you five years. You can have six. <laughs> <laughs> you can have six. Just hand it over. <laughs> yes. Answer is yes. For yes. a quick conclusion, it's been about five minutes yes. of conversation. Answer is yes. And if you're saying no, if you're saying if you're hearing this and saying no to yourself right now, you're. F- I just hit the microphone out of sheer <laughs> frustration. You're fucking lying. You're lying. Sorry. Um, next caller. Um, so Fleabag only has two seasons. It was originally just supposed to be the one. The first season is based off of Phoebe Waller Bridges, um, the creator screen play. Right? No. What's it called Correct. when it's for a play? No, yeah. Playwright. Uh, playwright. Playwright. Screenplay is for the Her movie. playwright. Um, but it became so popular and so like acclaimed that she did a second season. Um, the first season is more about her like kind of uh coming to terms with like a lot of traumas and in the process of her trying to deflect from this, she sort of uses sex as a distraction. Um, but the reason we decided to talk about her on the show is because she happens to be bisexual. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. I'm honored to be able to talk about it. Um, it's nice that she included bisexuality. 
We've tried to record this so many times. We already did record this yeah. and had to trash the whole thing. Yeah. But that that's not to say that the... It was the first time we ever tried anything yeah, like this. Yeah, that's true. So it was like a bit more... Maybe like 10% more awkward than this. Yeah. 10,000% yeah. more awkward than this. 10, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. No. I still don't. No. Anyways, what does the statue represent? Please answer me that because I don't. I genuinely What does the know. statue represent? Yeah. Why is it travel in a loop like that from beginning to end back in the same hand? I think it has something to do with the father making callbacks to how Fleabag was her mother's child. And then in the last episode, we find out that that statue was based on her dead mother. And at the same time, the fact that she had to steal it and that the stepmother never told her that it was her mother just reinforces that the stepmother kind of did it as like a power thing. And like it should the same way she like married the man right after his wife died. So you think it was more about proving a point to us that the mother was trying to prove a point to everyone else? I don't think it was about... No, no, no. I just think it's funny that the godmother is the one that, like, created the statue and the one that Fleabag had to, like, steal it from. Yeah. So, like, her own mother. She had to steal her own mother, like, from her. Yeah. I think it was, like, it was almost like a tribute to the sisterhood of the traveling pants. I feel (laughs) like it was, like, um, supposed to symbolize the, like, the lesson that she learned or that maybe each character learned mm-hmm. whose hands it like went into like claire and then fleabag yeah and hopefully the stepmom although i don't think she did learn anything about like accepting femininity and like being at peace with the fact that it's temporary your mm-hmm. your quote-unquote femininity your youthful yeah. femininity and like how that looks your appearance yeah. right it's a statue of a body she was so scared to like let something like that go. I would hope that by the end of it, she's not like in that mindset anymore. Yeah, I th- I like that. that the ending sort of it was able to give you like a satisfying ending that tied up everything while uh, while also leaving um room to like interpret what comes after the last episode. You know what I mean? Like you sort of get the feeling that all of these people are about to like embark on a new life yeah kind of simultaneously really hopeful yeah yeah Yeah. i kind of feel like the the conversation that fleabag has with belinda after the she wins the award iconic i feel like that whole conversation was sort of the commentary of the statue maybe Because the only reason they're having this conversation is because Fleabag broke the original award, she replaced it with the statue, Belinda's award became the statue, and now Fleabag has to get it back, and it forces them to have this conversation about, it's awesome when you get old. You know, like, you're not, your life isn't, like, over because you are supposedly losing your youth and rather than you getting old and not being fuckable anymore you get old and not even old it's not like belinda was old but you grow older and you realize that like your femininity doesn't have to be the first thing anyone sees like you like you said like you're free like once the menopause hits you know you're you're free yeah, you said yourself earlier that um, 
her stepmom symbolized like disproves her whole like currency of youth i kind of feel like yeah i kind of feel like the stepmom is like fleabag's foil in a way foil yeah she's like sort of the complete the only thing they have in common is being kind of being like really openly sexual like that's really the only thing they have in common except but like every other trait the stepmom kind of offsets all of like fleabag's traits and like fleabag has she has like a really big insecurity about getting older and like there's nothing there's like the the monologue that like sort of ties up the first season where she's like if like basically once i there's nothing worse than somebody that doesn't want to fuck me and i'm afraid that people aren't going to want to fuck me anymore yeah my worst fear i lose this fuckable body or whatever but on the conversely to that you see the stepmother who's easily in her 50s she travels the world talking about sex there's flea bags they kind of like allude to flea bags um not boyfriend but like her date at a family dinner yeah. is like attracted to the stepmom and she talks about having sex with fleabag's father and it's like she's this woman who's you know 20 years older than fleabag and she's still desirable yes she's still sexually active yeah she's not her life isn't over she's if anything becoming more successful and becoming more herself yeah and stuff like that we don't we necessarily don't like her yeah no i almost could see like if fleabag grew to her age i feel like she would do a sex exhibition type thing maybe yeah like that almost seems like something she would do i don't know yeah you're right they do have that's a really big part of her identity mm-hmm. so it's like a big thing that they have in common yeah losing the currency of youth yes and where i think that's like what the first season is about i feel like the second season is like in in the process of trying to like get healthier you have to suffer the ordeal of being known and like i feel like the second season was her being known by the priest and like not being ready for it and not wanting to be known and stuff like that yeah she doesn't want to be seen yet yeah like that she he like asked her one time and or not even one time several times and she just like never answers answers her questions she does the breaking the fourth wall thing and he's the first character to ever notice her doing that he's the only one yeah and it freaks her out why do you think that is why him you mean like why is it a love interest or no like why do you think he's the only guy who has pointed the i mean audience out before i don't even think he's pointing out the audience i think he's pointing he doesn't see what she sees he just sees her go somewhere he kind of sees no one else does no like nobody else Uh, notices that she is far away right even though she's right there no one else has ever seemed to be able to like pick up on that before and i think it's like it helps because it's someone that like originally she couldn't like have sex with and forget but it was somebody that was like kind of forced into her life for a couple weeks Mm -hmm. and i think he was more like objective because he hadn't been in her life that long 
so he would notice that that's kind of weird a weird thing for somebody to do and i think it was again i think it was just sort of to exemplify that he knows her and that like she doesn't want to be known and like it freaks her out that someone like is trying to get to know her it startles her yeah Mm -hmm. um i kind of speculated that the fox symbolized like the non-believer part of mm-hmm. him or like the part that isn't like the perfect priest right. stuff he does out of his line, doubt I guess. his doubt yeah there we go um or like maybe it could even symbolize the non-believer in general i could see that yeah but why a fox you know i guess because like doubt foxes are said to be like sly and sneaky and like creep up on you yeah i tried to look up what foxes mean in a biblical lens and i couldn't find much i don't think there really are But But I mean, a non-believer wouldn't be really represented by something in the Bible, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I just, I don't know. I didn't find anything. But I just don't get it. I don't get why it follows him around everywhere. Yeah. I still haven't figured that. I remember um, back when I first watched it over a year ago now, I would think, um, I was going through like the tag on Tumblr, like kind of reading theories. And somebody was like, I think the priest's brother isn't real. And that before the priest was a priest, he was the pedophile. And like that fox is like his past, like mm. following him around or something okay. like that. But I don't, I don't think I believe that. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah, I have no it's idea. It's a pretty cool theory though. Because it, it came out when he was sitting outside with Fleabag. Mm-hmm. And they were like making out or something. And then it came out again. Yeah. But then, but like when he was first telling her about the fox, he said that he gave her like at least two examples where this had happened again in his life earlier on in his life. So it's something that's literally like followed him for as long as he can remember. But uh, yeah, I've watched this so many times now and I'm still not sure what that means. Same. This um, second season, it like, it made me write as I was taking notes on the second season, I should say. Jesus. As I was taking notes on it, I made um, a reminder to myself to write more like love poetry because there was like a scene in it where they're both at the retreat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both, I mean, Fleabag and the insurance accountant insurance oh, guy right, yeah. who's supposed to give her that loan. Mm-hmm. And in it, he's like talking about his wife and he says, um, I want to take clean cups from the dishwasher and put them in the cupboard at home and the next morning watch my wife drink from them yeah i thought that was it was so sweet so lovely so it's like a specific feeling yeah that's so beautiful yeah and i love that that literally sounded like love poetry to me like that's it so gorgeous me, it reminds me of that song by j cole folding clothes I don't know. And it's a, it's him like talk singing about his wife and the whole song is about like him wanting to like fold clothes and like make sure you have warm blankets and like so you can relax on your day off like type shit. Um, I love that shit. Yeah. I love that shit. I think that's so gorgeous. The right that just um one of the few reasons why I love the writing so much in this. I like I really liked that little sort of not even a b plot more like a c plot like that little just tiny storyline of the insurance guy in her life yeah like yeah. i thought that was really her sweet around in her yeah 
That was so nice. I really liked him. I hated Martin. I hated Martin. It is no mistake that that horrible garbage fire person, it's not a mistake that he was an American. His existence is a mistake. He's a horribly, like, emotionally abusive person, like, violent person. And he blames it all on having a fucked up personality. And some people are just born with fucked personalities. And that's the whole thing. It has nothing to do with the fact that he tried to kiss Fleabag, who was his wife's sister. It doesn't help that he made fun of her for getting a miscarriage and said it's because the baby didn't want you as a mother. Yeah. It's everything about you is wrong. (laughs) Their argument in the very last episode of the series is so symbolic. Yeah. Like, oh my God. He, he had like this monologue bit where he was like, I make you laugh. I make you laugh. Like, I'm a douche, but I make you laugh. He said that's the only thing that mattered or whatever. Or you said that's the most important yeah. thing. That is like <laughs> spoken from all incels. Yeah. Um, it is it is cis male culture, <laughs> might I add, mm-hmm. to just kind of um, pick at relationships at the very surface level. Or just cling on to the shit, the side shit. Just because Claire said on your third date that making her laugh is the most important thing doesn't mean that's going to be the most important things 11 years from now when you've supposedly built a life together. Now you have to be a decent human being and you can't even bother to do that. Yeah. It's like you and my friend have missed the entire point of a relationship. How have you been in a relationship if that's what you think? yeah so i don't know am i wrong for saying that that it's like the placard for like placard mission statement for all incels (laughs) yeah like it's insane but i'm funny you said that's the most important thing he gaslit the shit out of her in that argument that's such a nice guy complex what the fuck was that it's like how do you have a nice guy complex you're not you're not a nice guy never seen you be nice a day i hated how like every man in this entire thing including like fleabag's dad um the first guy she was with with the teeth the psychopath tooth guy yeah oh that guy guy. that guy tooth guy and then the the other guy she let um fuck her in the ass what, american what psycho american psycho oh Christian his Bale. his name in the credits is arsehole guy because okay, arsehole they... guy love that <laughs> we've got tooth guy arsehole guy arsehole guy her dad um martin and martin obviously these are all emotional and sensitive men yeah like overly so almost to the point where they overwhelm fleabag yeah and we're in fleabag's shoes and she's over here like oh my god haha, calm down yeah. like how many times did she have to say that to a guy in the series? It, it, Martin, on two different occasions, showed up to Fleabag's restaurant, drunk out of his mind, and threatening her. One time he grabbed her and told her told her to give him her phone. Literally. And like and threatened her. And she didn't freak out. Like he was fully. She laughed out. at him. Bro. She laughed at him. Bro. My fucking hero. He was losing it. Every guy in this shit. Oh, including Harry. I almost. Oh forgot. my god, Our Harry! Favorite. Every guy in this <laughs> is so overly emotional and sensitive, and it's hilarious yeah. because I think she did that on purpose. Because that's how it's always yeah. stereotyped on women. Haha. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, it's like it's like every man was sort of like a exaggerated representation of like the stereotypes of like the male identity. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like Harry, I think I kind of mentioned this when we were watching it. I feel like Harry was sort of the representation of like what's inside like what I see the deep the, the, the little boy inside that creates the toxic masculinity. Harry is this this really skittish um I need a headed l- like little boy. He's a he's a 32-year-old man but he's a little boy and he he doesn't want flee back to masturbate. He refuses to like be adventurous in bed. He um he has no backbone. He takes Fleabag treated him badly. Yes, Fleabag treated him badly. But also, like, he just... He made everything about himself. He was at Fleabag's mother's literal funeral. And Fleabag had to comfort him. Yeah. Because he was crying. Because funerals are different when you know the person. It's her mother. Overly emotional and sensitive. It was done intentionally. It had to have been. Yeah. Every woman in this has the most pain to deal with think about it yeah like they act they're actually dealing with shit Fleabag actively oh claire actively yeah and they're both completely composed like they're losing it a little bit inside but but only like with each other also right the stereotype against women is that they're overly emotional and sensitive and i feel like it was completely switched up and i love that shit yeah because that's how it is it's weird because I'm I'm so glad the second season exists because I feel like my favorite monologues are from the second season. Like I feel like Belinda's monologue about menopause is like my favorite little bit in the entire series and about women being built with pain, you know, from day one. Women are born with pain built in is what she says. And like men have to create it and that's why they go to war because they're not born with pain. That's why they build skyscrapers. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I think I like I'm really grateful for the second season, whether some people believed it needed to happen or not. I'm really grateful for the second season because there's a lot of like moments like that that are really relevant when you're kind of having a quarter life crisis. <clears throat> and it was just a really like helpful thing to see and like be validated on from like an older woman's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It was so refreshing. It was a lesson in. I mean, I don't want to be presumptuous, but in all of our lives, she yeah. taught us all a lesson. It's yeah. not talked about. No. How, like, I don't want to use the word slaves. We're chained, right, to media's perspective of us. Our whole lives, literally from the moment we're born. The dolls that we're handed, what yeah. do you think they look like? Yeah. You know, like, everything. Every commercial, every cereal box with a kid on it, mm-hmm. everything that's sold to you from the moment you're born. And it's literally not until, and it affects you yeah. up until you hit a certain age where you're yeah. all of a sudden not fuckable anymore by all of the men in the deep state, yeah. all the men who run media. Because like in movies, the men can be 25 years older than their female love interest. So it's like the men in Hollywood get older and older and older and the women stay the same age. And when they get older, they grow out of those love interest type roles. Because they're not desirable by the, by the masses anymore all of a sudden. Because they reach the ripe old age of 35. You know? And it's, it's, so, it's so ridiculous and false. And I don't know. 
I don't want to think that I don't want to general generalize and say that cis men don't experience that, mm-hmm. but I I kind of feel like they don't. <laughs> like I feel like it's a largely a female experience. Yeah, I a think woman's they experience. experience something similar, but it's very much adjacent. It's not like parallel. Like yeah. they're not yeah. the same. There's no submissiveness involved in the men's version of it. I feel like with women's there is. That was yeah. like my favorite. We become like the opposite of what um, the gaze wants from us, right? Yeah. Like when women get older, they get cranky and loud according to the stereotype, yeah. right? Yeah. So that must mean that when we're younger, you want us quiet and skinny and mm-hmm. pretty, right? And quiet is part of that mix. Yeah. Whereas men, when they, old men are stereotyped to be quiet and like, Maybe that's because throughout their whole youth, they're aggressive and loud, and that's what we want from them. That's what we want from our men, for them to be loud and in charge and dominant. But like you said, it's a lot about submissiveness, too. Yeah. It's all about un- your undoing in in media's eye, I guess. It's This is a... I'm not sure how many people like knew the term, um, but it was a big theme in my gender and women's studies classes was the idea of the panopticon. And it's like the panopticon is like that. It's kind of like the guard's tower in a prison yard. Like they have like the 360 views of, you know, the prisoners or whatever. And the prisoners never know if there's somebody up there or not because the windows are tinted. You can't tell if somebody's up there or not. But because you don't want to get in trouble, you just always assume there's someone up there watching you who can get you in trouble. So the idea is with... um women and you know like non-binary people anybody who's not like a cis man the idea is you feel like you're always being watched so whenever you're in public it's performative and that kind of brings me back to like that speech i guess like holy shit the difference of growing up like being in your 20s and 30s like as a woman like what that feels like i don't know there was a lot of good monologues in that one did you have like a different favorite I like another one that you really like. I really, I just, I just particularly liked the guy describing how he wanted to treat his wife. I keep thinking about it because, you know, he was part of that group at the retreat. So I think to us, he was supposed to represent a part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would almost say that like that inner thought he had was an inner thought that he knew he couldn't share right. back there with all the other guys. Yeah. He had to share it with her. What if she's trying to say that, like, she's trying to say he's, oh, no, the train's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Moving so fucking fast up here. 98 miles per hour. It's going to come back. I have the biggest bug bite on my side. I had a splinter on my inner thigh. What what Satan? What on earth? I sat on a wooden bench today and I got a splinter on my inner thigh. It went through my biker shorts. Um, I'm filing a complaint to the city, <laughs> to the biker shorts company. The biker shorts. <laughs> um, oh, I think that thought, that really sweet thought he had about his wife was supposed to like maybe like symbolize like how a lot of men feel about the women they love. But like yeah. they have to be like disrespectful in front of their bro. Yeah. Like, and they have to like, like fuck on a bitch. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I don't know. Or that, yeah, like, because men are socialized to have so much, like, freedom sexually, it doesn't occur to men that, like, how they treat women that aren't their wife, like, affects their relationships. And it's, like, about you seeing all women as people instead of just seeing your wife as a person. 
Like all women are peoples. I think as Fleabag got more comfortable with us, the audience, I in like the second season, I think she um showed off her birthmark a bit more. Maybe that was in my head. Yeah, no, I think so. But I like think she, she like pulled her bangs back a lot. Yeah, she know? got a haircut in between like the first and the second season and she got like that fringe or whatever they call it, yeah, and you could see her birthmark. Oh, that was yeah. really nice. Well, that reminds me of like the therapist appointment because when her father gives her a birthday gift and it's a voucher for a counseling session. So she goes to this therapist and she's going there because she just wants to get the money in exchange for the voucher because she doesn't actually want it. But she goes and she sits down and she ends up getting sucked into it. And because in the first season, we find out that her best friend is dead. The therapist asks her if she has any friends and she looks to the audience and says that we're the friend. And the therapist says, do you guys talk? And she says, yes, they're always there. And she like looks at us and like, nods and like acknowledges us as like her friend the audience is her friend oh my god why did i miss that shit whoa i don't think either when we were watching you think we are her friend i think that's like no it because when she said it like when she said the um they're always there thing she didn't necessarily look happy about it you know what i mean but she also didn't want to sound like somebody who doesn't have any friends to her therapist so she's like what do you think we actually are a voice in her head some people call that a friend i think it's like we're some kind of companion sometimes when really heavy shit happens to somebody they feel like their life is like a kind of movie or like a production yeah and maybe like they genuinely feel like a camera is like yeah on them like some omnipotent being around them especially in the first season like one of the very first um scenes is a sex scene and she's talking to the camera the whole time about what's happening and like how she has to stay sexy right right it's like stay sexy always stay sexy and she's like telling this to the camera as if it's like she's telling it like it's a story yeah no like we are her close friend like in the talk we had in the bathroom (laughs) she's like i'm not addicted to sex i just can't stop thinking about it yeah girl same it was a hard life (laughs) at first i thought she was only into the priest because she said she wanted to fuck god because she hasn't loved anybody really right i mean i think like with tv you have to like kind of suspend disbelief with time and assume that like a week on the tv would be equivalent to like a few months in real life because they can't i guess they didn't pack a few months into the season they only had a week Mm. so i think like in the context of the show he's probably the closest thing to like love she's known yeah i can believe that she did seem to genuinely like him i'm not sure if i think she was in love with boo before she died Oh, I don't know. Yeah, because they may have just been super close friends. Yeah, I couldn't tell. But I guess I don't know British culture so well, but I didn't think they'd be so, like, touchy-feely like that and, like, mm-hmm. super gazy and, like, dreamy at each other. Yeah. They said, like, really, um, like, very, like, touching stuff. Like, at Fleabag's mom's funeral, and Fleabag is like, I don't know what to do with all the love I have yeah. for her. And Boo says, give it to me. It sounds lovely. <laughs> it does. It does. It I does. think maybe they just loved each other. Yeah. 
Maybe they loved each other. And they just like none of them, neither of them said it to each other. Yeah. Right. Because I don't want to, I don't want to diminish like really intense, like close friendships. Like that's a thing without it being romantic. But there was just something about it that felt like at the very least they were like platonic soulmates. Right. At the very least. And like, it's really tragic that she lost her. But it's also, like, her part in it is, like, I can imagine how torn up Fleabag is when, like, her best friend is dead and she kind of set off that chain of events. She feels like she's to blame. Yeah. I can imagine why she's, like, feeling and coping as badly as she is. What do you mean? Because, like, I feel like the first season takes place, like, less than a year after Boo died. Okay. Maybe only, like, a few months. So it's like, I can really sympathize with her using sex as a distraction, like not facing any of her problems with her family. Like she probably is going to be messed up for a while. For sure. From that, you know, cut the I looked in at the TV and the glare of your microphones, the side of your headphone in the TV looked like something was like smiling and I like pulled back. I don't know oh if you saw my, my face. I was like, Enough with the haunted house. I'm sorry. Enough. This is, I am, this is my brain. Help me. Yes. Help you Keep me. it to yourself like the rest of oh us. Oh, my God. You th- you, this happens to you? Yes. Fuck out of here. Like, Sometimes oh, Taylor nope. walks that into the scary. room, and I'll just be like, huh. It's a tiny apartment. One time I walked into my own apartment, and she damn near had a panic attack and fell to the floor because I just, I just came into my apartment. Correction, I did have a panic attack. <laughs> um... It was terrifying. How you just move silently? You can't do that. I unlocked like a- and opened a door. How is that silent? Oh my god, that was terrifying. <laughs> oh my god. My One time I came did. out of my bedroom and you did the same thing. <laughs> oh my god. I can't even think about it. Oh my god. There's honestly nothing scarier than just like what does that say to you? You have a really weird uncanny valley complex. What does that like mean? anything out of the corner of your eye like scares you, but you can see somebody being tortured to death for Absolutely an hour delicious. and be cool with it. Beautiful. Torture is so different. It's intentional. Hold on. It's intentional. So I can follow uh-huh. it easier. It's intentionally cruel and but methodical. things in the corner of your... I've got to catch my breath now. Things in the corner of your in your peripheral, absolutely not. That's how shit you see gets something you. Something with like a white face and big eyes in a corner, and you'll lose your goddamn mind every time. No matter what we watch, some Stop. fucking looking like that will pop up on the screen, and you'll get ah, so scared. It's literally that. What was that scary movie you had us watch? The Happening. I have chills in my body. Strangers. The Strangers. The strangers. Yeah, not The Happening. Sorry. The Happening is way different. Wrong one. <laughs> The strangers. Yeah. <laughs> ah, everybody has that horror that gets them. Don't worry, we're never gonna live in rural Pennsylvania. Don't worry. We better the fuck not. <laughs> oh my god, is that where that took place? I think so. Yeah. There's that is my scary. That is my scary. <laughs> that film humiliated me. I love that me. fucking movie. I love that movie. Shut the fuck up, oh, dude. So good. No, bro. So good. No. Oof. I was lying down on that sofa you're sitting on. <laughs> And I swear to God, my whole body levitated. (laughs) I couldn't even jump properly. My body just levitated off the sofa. I have a really bad habit of like bringing up these movies we should watch that I've seen. I saw like five years ago. So I don't really remember them. I just remember my reactions to them. 
So I showed her The Strangers when it had been like five years since I saw it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a really good scary movie. This is what it's about. Scared her shitless. Did the same thing with The uh, the Descent. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a really good movie. It's like really scary. There's like zombie type fucking things in it. Also scared the shit out of her. You're you're terrible. But I don't do it on purpose. I like disturbing more than scary. I don't really separate the two. What's your horror? What's the horror that gets you up at night? That like keeps me up at night. Yeah, like what? What's your equivalent to mine of the peripheral and Kenny Valley shit? Um, it's either home invasion. Like if I watch a home invasion movie, I'll be fine when I watch it. But as soon as I lay down, I'm like, I need to be sleeping with a knife under my pillow, and I'm home like invasion. starting to like consider all of the like escape routes. Either that, and then when I watch like paranormal movies, if it's a really good paranormal movie, I'll feel like someone is watching me all night. I don't know why. Those two, like, specifically, even though they don't scare me so much, like, in, like, in the present of watching it, as soon as I go to bed, it, like, creeps me out. Yeah. But I don't like watching torture. I I respect. I'm screaming. (laughs) I respect torture. I think torture. Take that out of context, please. (laughs) Please take it out of context. Just a, a, a TikTok audio of me saying, I respect torture. Oh my God. I just don't like it. This <laughs> is not my style. I just don't like I I can appreciate its use in a movie, but I just can't watch it. It's, Im- it's impossible for me to watch stuff like that and not feel like it's happening to me. I can't. I cannot. Really? Yes. Maybe I'm not an empath. I don't think I'm an empath. I think it's delicious. Either, but that fucking not, you know. I think it's it's like art. It, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, you said it, not me. Ah. <laughs> uh, anyway, flea bag. <laughs> there is no difference between hot chocolate and chocolate milk. Only temperature. I'm literally going to move out i'm leaving leave i can't fucking stand this argument you but we both agree water is what water is what water is what water is what okay so if you took strawberry milk yeah you take strawberry milk you heat it up is it strawberry, hot strawberry? <laughs> this is worse than when you and five of my other friends at the time spent three hours making gene jokes just for three hours. My literal least favorite meme in the entire world. And that's all y'all did. <laughs> on my birthday. And I do it again. On your fucking birthday. <laughs> oh, ew. My birthday's coming up. Anyway, fuck that shit. I'm not even... I don't even have an age. Kyle XY type shit. <laughs> um, but I, How I said that stepmom was sort of... Fleabag's like foil and that whole conflict about like age or whatever i feel like belinda's monologue was like meant to resolve that conflict and sort of give fleabag some like peace of mind because i think she kind of like recognized that like her stepmom was the way she was but because she didn't like her it like didn't quite do it for her and like but hearing it from belinda who's like a woman she was attracted to and like was older than her and like she respected her saying it kind of like resolved that conflict a little bit. I really love that monologue. Yeah, no, her stepmother is literally a wicked stepmother. Yeah. I get Cinderella vibes from the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning, she says, to be fair, she's not an evil stepmother. She's just a cunt. <laughs> yes, indeed she is. Well, I guess like for the last question, we could just talk about like 
what you um, thought about it as like a representation of bisexuality? Um, all the only thing going on in my head right now is Wolfgang Puck's recipe for salmon on croute. That's all I can think about right now. Me. Salmon on croute. Anyways, <clears throat> if you know, you know. I'll have to show it to you later. I think it was a cute representation. It was a refreshing mm-hmm. representation of bi. It was a refreshing yeah. show. Um, the rep- the bisexual representation was not all the way there. No, truly. But we got a very valuable lesson, mm-hmm. right? For all women loving women, or sorry, all women got a valuable lesson. Yeah, we got to see a lot of ourselves in Fleabag, and I think that's really valuable. Definitely, yeah. I think the representation was definitely lacking for me. I kind of fall in the middle of the debate that you don't need to see a woman be with another woman to prove she's bisexual. Um. I do. I agree with that. Yeah. But in terms of something being deemed good bisexual representation, I feel like it would be helpful to see women in similar situations with other women that she would normally encounter with a man. Like, I didn't like that all of the sex on the show was between her and a man. Um, and whenever it was showing her being attracted to a woman it was always more like flirtatious or intimate than it ever was like with a guy yeah there was always a bit more in- investing yeah <clears throat> right with with the guys she was with she was like low-key turned off by whatever the fuck yeah. it was they tried to talk to her about yeah. their interest she doesn't give a fuck yeah. right but with women she was simultaneously sexually attracted to them yet also wanted to hear their thoughts and wanted to sit and listen to them. There was such a difference between her reaction to the woman flirting with her at the sex shop than when she first interacted with the tooth man. Like, you could tell whenever she was flirting with men, it was just to get to the sex part and that she didn't really care about what they were saying. Yeah, 100%. And if anything, she was turned off by, like, the lines. And, like, shit that they were saying. But, like, that, like, all of 30-second interaction she had with the woman in the sex shop was, like, she looked genuinely excited that this girl was, like, flirting with her. Yeah. You know? And then, like, with Belinda, like, she really wanted, she, like, kissed Belinda and she really wanted to talk to Belinda more and, like, told her that she wanted to, like, hook up with her or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She doesn't care to hang out with any guys. I don't think she, like sees men at all the same way she does women Mm -mm. she kind of sees them more as like puppy dog cute you know where it's like oh you're cute like i don't want to hear you talk though like you're you're just you're something that needs me and i need you and that's it she treats men like a lot like pawns and like when i while i don't appreciate like when men do that (laughs) and stuff it is interesting to like see a woman do that and sort of like use men as pawns as distraction when she's like in pain. Yeah, yikes. Cause like it felt like she saw every man besides the priest as like weak. Yeah. Like needy. you said, like oversensitive. They were. Yeah. They were yeah. needy and like over dramatic and like yeah. you said, oversensitive, yeah. over emotional. Yeah. I would like to see more stuff like in the future with like if you're gonna say someone is bisexual 
there's like a really fine line of like queer baiting where like you just say someone's bisexual but like we never see it on screen we never hear them talk about it or anything like that at least with fleabag it was made evident that she was bisexual even if we never got to see her like be intimate with a woman yeah if i if i see someone bisexual on screen i would hope that they almost um share with the audience what bisexual people are at least like yeah. on a cultural level yeah. you know like oh like for example how we dress or how we drive yeah. whatever the fuck granted it, they are stereotypes but bisexuality is so erased so often that yeah. i think sometimes we need to rely on stereotypes good ones yeah. not bad ones you know like cover jeans type shit yeah <laughs> sweater rather type shit to be fair i don't um know a bisexual that doesn't agree with those stereotypes right so stereotypes you know the word can be taken whichever way but like i meant like you know not in a bad way yeah right? in the cuff jeans type of way yeah we would kind of rely on that in tv to like not be erased as often yeah so please there's so many characters i see that are straight and supposedly like can canonically straight is that the word um and i'm like they're gay or they're bi right. and i feel like there's so much like gay coding and like straight people and stuff and it like yeah i feel like the only person that did that um really well was dan levy in schitt's creek i think he did a really good job of kind of switching up the coding because like in that show um what's her face stevie was like heavily coded as a lesbian but she wasn't you know what i mean right that's true coded i really like that term yeah that always confuses me because i want to take the writer's word for everything yeah and it's like if they were they would tell me they would tell me yeah let us know through some way Mm-hmm. but for her it was more just like throwing my hands in the air like what the fuck yeah i know you're bi i know yeah. you're gay a little bit yeah tell us confirm <laughs> it to us yeah. but no nothing so it just ends up being confusing for me but next two episodes are going to be on the 100 and shit's great scott's pilgrim christ almighty scott pilgrim is gonna be first so that'll be in two weeks but did i say scott's pilgrim i don't think so Lord, I think you said Scott Pilgrim. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim <laughs> and the 100. Yeah. This podcast is just a super special way of us showing our favorite forms of media to each yeah. other. I literally didn't give a shit about Shit's Creek, Bojack Horseman, Fleabag, or Killing Eve until we started this podcast. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I have to watch it. And then I did. And then I ended up loving it. Yeah. And I was like, got like a little corner piece of my personality. How wonderful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I want blondies. So anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Um, Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed. See see you in the next life. Thanks for listening to the Bicons podcast. Our cover art is by Taylor Davis and Jamie Shee. Our music is by Lakey Inspired. Check out our website at Biconspodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at Biconspod and Instagram at Biconspodcast.